If you've been thinking about wanting to start a podcast but not sure where to get started, I have some news for you. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi gang, Donna here. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Ricky Durant. Some of you guys may recognize him from The Voice. He was the runner-up on season 17. While we discuss his time on The Voice and he gives some tips if you're actually thinking about auditioning, we also talk about some of the tragedies in his life and the inspiration behind the music. Hi Ricky, how are you doing today? I'm great, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, some of you guys, if you've watched The Voice, you may recognize Ricky. Um, he was the runner-up for season, what, 17? Yep, that's right. That's right. So why don't you take us a little bit on that journey of the voice, and then we're going to backtrack because I know that you have had a love of music for a very long time. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the voice first, and then we'll go back. So sure. what made you decide to go on the voice? Um, so really, it was an opportunity that presented itself when I, so I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts. I had just moved to Austin, Texas, and I was playing a show, and uh the guy who hired me for the show after I was done came up to me and said that he had a friend who was a producer on the show on the voice. Um, and I followed up with a contact. They got me a private audition. Uh, and then it just went from there. So it kind of just fell on my lap. I wasn't really seeking the opportunity, but I'm glad I did you know, take him up on that. Now, um, go, ahead. Oh, also, go ahead. Yeah. So, so it was uh, that first private audition. And right after that, I always, I had a good feeling from the get-go. They flew me out to LA uh, and there's a series of, you know, auditions before you get to uh, get in front of the coaches for the blind auditions. Um, and that was a huge process. It's, you know, it takes months before you even get to that, uh, get that opportunity. But Did you audition for season six as well? I did. Yeah, that's the only other time that I auditioned for any, any uh, reality show like that. Um, and I got to the coaches at the time. It was Shakira, Usher, Adam Levine, and Blake. And uh, I auditioned the last day. No one turned, but uh, they gave me encouragement. They said, you know, we only have a couple spots left. We're looking for something in particular. Come back. And I got to say, it was pretty devastating to not get a turn. So I went home and I, uh, I never auditioned until season 17 again. But in that time, you built up your vocal career, did you not? Yeah, I definitely, I was playing out, uh, you know, four nights a week here in Worcester. And, uh, you know, I guess that definitely helped in developing my voice. Being on The Voice, was there a lot of high and low moments? I mean, I, I, I watched, I did not watch The Voice, but I did watch you at that fine. I watched your performances and I watched the, uh, when they made the announcement. How hard was that moment when you were standing there and they were about to announce the winner how hard was that so to be honest with you that was the easiest part of the show because that it was everything was done and i was like all right it is what it is you know i had had a talk with the other finalists 
that day were Jay Coot, who ended up being the winner here, uh, myself, Rose Short, and uh, Katie Caden. And on the way to the finale, I was like, hey, how do you guys feel? Like, do you really want to win this or would you prefer to, you know, another spot? Because there's a lot that goes into winning the show. There's a contract you're tied to. I had my talk with Blake Shelton and he honestly told me that he thought it would be best if I didn't win the show because uh, in his words, he said that he's seen the show um, kind of not really promote a lot of uh, careers for, for artists. You know, they have you on a contract, but they don't necessarily need to use uh, or, or help you out. You're just kind of signed. And in, in a lot of instances, you can't really create the music you want to because you're uh, consolidated to that particular contract. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. Uh, when they called Jay Coot's name for the winner, um, it was a mix. I had mixed feelings because, you know, part of me, even though Blake told me that part of me did want to just say that I won the show, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but another part of me was like content about getting the runner up and having the freedom to, to uh, create the music that I want to. Well, you still have that attached to your name, which is good, but you know, I'm in the publishing world and you know, there was all this talk about, well, yeah, every, every author in every indie author wants a publishing contract. But the fact of the matter is then you have to write certain things and you have to be in certain parameters and certain word counts. And it's like, you know, part of me wants to just stay in indie. Right. Yeah. Very similar. Cause you have the freedom. What was an average day for you? Like on the voice, you know, it's a, uh, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. And, uh, I had a lot of days off. And then when you were on though, you were up at 5.00 AM getting ready. Uh, they, you know, drive you off to the studio in Hollywood. Um, and for instance, like any performance days where 5am, you know, wake up, you go there, you rehearse on the actual stage and then, uh, you know, hair, makeup, and it just go, go, go until the performance. So it's pretty exhausting. And that's one thing that's tough for, especially being like a, a, a show for vocalists, because you get on stage and you're exhausted and your voice shows that sometimes. Yeah. So you really have to uh, be con uh, conscious about taking care of your voice and uh, sleeping wherever you can. I was, you know, would fall asleep on the couch after rehearsal, rehearsal, just in the corner somewhere just to get some hours in. Yeah. What made you decide you wanted Blake? Um, a few things. So um, originally I had told, you know, throughout my interviews that I would go for John Legend That's because right, I think that. Yeah, everyone, you know, everyone that I talked to seems to uh, think that I would have picked John Legend. And that's that was my gut feeling. Um, we have very similar styles and, and just the soul and R&B in our voices. But I know that Blake is uh, a veteran on the voice. Uh, I heard that he was good to uh, the contestants. And also, I, I got to audition the last day. So I knew that John Legend's team was pretty packed with amazing singers. Um, and I thought I'd stand out on Blake's team being like his token soul mm. rock guy. So that's really why I went with Blake. So since you, since you've left the voice, you're recording again, you're working on a new album and you, you have a single out stars. Is that mm -hmm. what you were shooting the video for yesterday? 
You know, believe it or not, no. Uh, I'm shooting a video for Star next week. Okay. Um, this other music video is for a project that's unreleased. It's coming out. Uh, this is the first time I'm actually announcing that. So September 17th is the uh, expected release date for this new project. And uh, it has to do with uh, suicide prevention. So I've teamed up with the AFSP, the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. And um, I wrote this song uh, about my dad. So my dad passed away in 2012. Uh, he died by suicide. And it was a huge shock to me. And um, there was, you know, oftentimes with stuff like that, there's not a lot of closure and it's tough to find that piece. So I wrote this song as if my dad was speaking to me. So it's almost like the letter that I wish I had received, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and as personal as the song is, I wanted to not really make it just about my story because I know suicide effects, you know, a lot of people out there. Um, so I thought it would be great to team up with the, the foundation, the FSP, and um, really make it about the cause of, of uh, you know, talking about mental health and suicide prevention. I, I'm personally, I'm sorry for your loss. I know it, it's been a, a while, but still, I'm sorry. Because as you said, it's, it's something that is, it happens usually very sudden. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, I'm assuming in your case, it was unexpected. From from for me personally, my mom had threatened it several several times during my lifetime. So it was it was it was a journey. It was really a journey, but it's still hard because mm -hmm. there's no answers. Right. Do you did you guys figure out why he did it? Or I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, I understand. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, you know, I don't think that anyone really. You just assume you can put yourself in those shoes to, to, to be that, you know, desperate. Um, I, I know reasons, you know, we were uh, living in Grafton at the time um, and the economy was at, at a low and my dad had uh, been diagnosed with prostate cancer and he had surgery and uh, he had complications with the surgery, couldn't go back to work for a couple of years. And when he tried to, you know, he said, I'm good. I'd like to go back. They no longer had a position for him. So he was struggling with that and uh, payments on the house. Um, and it, in a way, you know, he's, he selflessly committed suicide so that we could um, really pay off the house. It was more of, it was a, it was a fiscal reason, you know, and unfortunately the pressures that that put on him and he didn't want us to know about those pressures. So he kind of kept that to himself, um, which, I, you know, obviously I wish he didn't, I wish I could have had a talk with him or, you know, but he was uh, a very proud individual. He came here from Guatemala and he wanted to be a provider for his family. And, and I think that's an unfortunate thing that happens with a lot of people, you know, ultimately the last, the last thing that when my mom did it, I mean, it was related to money and so many people they get bogged down with money and you can try to and i'll say this to you i tried to give my mom a way out saying you can come live with us don't worry about it leave him you can live with us and 
she didn't want to do that because once again, it's pride, it's pride, it's about money. And, and it's, it's really unfortunate. And if anybody is having any issues, please reach out for help. I mean, that's, I'm sure you'd say the same thing, you know, mm -hmm. financially, just because things look dark one day doesn't mean that the next day is not going to turn around. You don't know. And that's always try to keep hope. Always try to have hope. It's important. Right. Because I'm sure, you know, let's go back to when you were a kid and, you know, let's talk about something positive about your father. Your father is the man who instilled your love of music in you. Is, did he not? Right. Yeah, for sure. He was always playing music. And uh, actually when he moved here from Guatemala, that was his, main source of income. He was playing out in uh, Quincy, Mass, Boston area. And uh, there was always a piano. He, there was always a guitar around. And he was, you know, the, the person who inspired me to to pick up the guitar and to sing. And he actually was in a, you were in a band with him for a while, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, you know, when I picked up the guitar, he, he uh, started playing bass and, and backup vocals. And we, uh, we played some shows together and it was a good time. So... He also managed your band when you were in high school. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. He was the, the manager from, uh, you know, through high school and college, actually. So what made you decide to, you got a scholarship for Berkeley, correct? Yes. So what made you, I mean, some people just go into music. They don't go the college route. What made you decide I'm doing it this way? Um, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do after high school. Well, I, well, hear this. I, I wanted to play music, but I didn't know what was the right way to go about it. And uh, my mom and dad really wanted me to get a higher education. They really wanted me to go to college. So in my mind, I was like, that's the only place I'll go if I'm doing music, you know, all the time, full time. And it's the only school I ended up applying to. So luckily I got in and it was more of a, um, honestly, it was more to, to, to please my parents, you know, to, to show them that I'm, it's tough to just graduate and then, you know, leave and go on tour and try to perform. Um, I felt like I owed it to them to, to try it this way and, and get a higher education. Do you think going there has now benefited you because you can look at the, you can look at the industry in a different light, can't you? Definitely. So I graduated with a music business degree and it, it definitely uh, helped me out both, um, on the business side, but also on the performance side, because the performers uh, at Berkeley, the artists are incredible. They have some of the the world's best musicians there. And uh, it really made me, you know, when you're in that level of, of uh, that capacity of musicians, it really pushes you to be like, okay, I really need to, you know, get things going. These guys are killers. So uh, it pushed me to, to be better. For you having that, education when Blake comes to you and said, or when you're talking to Blake and, and you're, he's like, well, you know, the contract, you definitely would have a better understanding because of your background. For sure. It definitely helped me out, uh, guiding me, you know, and, and allowing me, I guess, to have the, the foresight of, of these contracts that sometimes are not in the artist's best interest. Um, but it's still tough because until you're, until you get to that point, you know, I was playing bars and I didn't see any contracts, but it's, it's tough when someone offers you a contract, not to say, not to jump and say, yes, I want to sign, I want a record deal, you know? Um, but yeah, from my experience, you really have to read between the lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was a book contract or a contest 
and just the contract for the contest, they had this line in there was something along the lines of, you know, if we happen to write another book or we happen to, we happen to buy another book and publish it and it's similar to yours, you can't do anything. It was like, I'll keep my book. Thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there was a gentleman that I interviewed, um, another artist, and he had a collaboration with somebody that I won't say on air. And there was no contract involved. And then all of a sudden it went out and then it got pulled back and hit the guy's fans were like lashing out at the artist that I had interviewed. And it was kind of like, wow. I said, did you get a contract? He's like, no, there was no contract. I'm like, that's where the problem lies. Yeah. So you also lost, you know, let's go back to, we'll go to a little bit of darker thing. Um, so Tattoo Tears, you wrote after your best friend committed suicide? Yeah. So, um, Honestly, I got to say that that was, I don't know if I, if I mean, it was almost tougher than losing my dad because my best friend, he knew about all the struggles that I had after my dad had passed. And we had, you know, we were close and it, it troubled me that I couldn't see, that I didn't know that that was a possibility. I had, it surprised me again. You know, I knew he was having a hard time, but I didn't think it was to that extent. Um, and yeah, I wrote Tattoo Tears um, just as a dedication to my best friend, my brother. And uh, yeah, losing him was tough. I actually recorded uh, this last music video with his guitar, using his electric nice. guitar he used to play also. So I thought that was a, uh, you know, would be a good tribute to him. It was, it was. The thing about, that's the one thing about suicide and for people that are watching that may know somebody that seems like they're having a little bit of a problem. You know, when my mom passed, all of her close friends were like, she was talking about your wedding. She was so excited about your wedding. Every, you know, not one person knew what they were suffering, that they were suffering. And I think if we step back, which I know none of us really take the time to anymore, we don't have the time to step back and look at the people around us. We might see that crack under mm -hmm. that facade. So I, I think that's important. You have suffered a lot of tragic. And, and I mean, I know that that somebody once said to me, how do you how do you survive your life? Well, you survive it because you're creative. And I hate to say it, but you're creative. So I know the loss of your mom was a very hard thing because you were close to her and, and that inspired you to write another song. So you're taking your you're taking your tragedies and you're turning it into something that is powerful to help others and to release your emotion. Are you not? Yeah. Yeah, definitely um, drives, I guess, uh, my creativity. Um, really, my songwriting is just about expressing myself. So whatever I'm going through at the time, you know, uh, I guess that's why I've, I've written these almost tribute songs for my mom, for my best friend, for my dad. Um, and it's also tough, though, because I want to play songs that are fun for people, too. But I felt like I had so much to say about these losses that I needed to get out there. Uh, so yeah. I kind of go back and forth about like, I really hope that I'm doing something good for people, you know, when I'm talking about uh, my stories and the, the need for uh, mental health awareness. Uh, I hope that, you know, someone or it helps some people along the way. That's the thing. If you help one person, that's all you have to do is help one person. If that song, you know, the song, you you know, she closed her eyes. If that song resonates about one person that has gone through something similar to you, then you've done your job. You've created, you've helped somebody in it. And you may never know it, but 
that the fact that you recorded it and you put it out there for it to connect with somebody. And you don't know that that person doesn't put on that song and balls their eyes out to that memory. But then there might be somebody that comes up to you after a show and says, man, that song you wrote, it just got me. I felt it. And that, that has to be rewarding for you to know that. Yeah. I've had a lot of, uh, Fortunately, I've, I've seen that. Uh, I've had a lot of fans uh, tell me their story and how that song, She Closed Her Eyes, has helped them through, you know, losing their loved one. Uh, I actually played a private show up here in, uh, it was over by Boston, the Boston area, and it was a family that hired me. Um, and their, the mother of the fa- in the family was sick and she had cancer. And that song resonated with their families so much so that they invited me to their house to perform and to meet them. And uh, it just, it was beautiful to see how moved they were by that song. Well, and that's, that's the one thing you have to remember that music sometimes is a soundtrack of our lives. Um, Last year, my husband passed and there was a song I got in the car. I had taken him off of life support and I got in the car And there's a song by Duran Duran called Face for Today. And one of the lyrics was, it's along the lines of about dancing with death and going down the spiral for it. And I had just pulled the plug. And I mean, it it could not have been more prophetic at that moment to hear that because of what I just did. And that's, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, you don't know when that song one of your songs comes on and it's just that soundtrack because for now every time I hear that song I think back to that moment Mm -hmm. so as an artist just think of how many people you touch and how powerful it is yeah it's a beautiful thing and I'm sorry for your loss by the way it's it's it, he was sick for a long time, but it's still, it's one of those things where it's, it's still getting used to it. And I, yeah, I was there. I, I know, I know with your mom having cancer, that was an issue. And, you know, your girlfriend, I, I had read that she had a health scare too. So I know that's something that weighs heavily on you as, at times, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, it's, you, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's something that, uh, it's crazy for the instance of, of my, my mother. Uh, it's tough because there's really nothing I could do. You know, it's you're powerless to, to cancer really. Um, and there came a point where, you know, me and my sisters were like almost hoping she'd move on uh, and she'd pass because it, it, it was just such a long and tough journey. And uh, we just wanted her to be at peace, you know? Yeah. And that, that's the thing about, long-term illness you you watch your family members suffer and you just you don't know how to to help it is tough i have to say i i was reading through i guess those people your article from 624 and there was some other article i was reading that actually said when you when you follow your intuition for long enough everything falls into place and you had said this about meeting your girlfriend but in general, I just want to generalize this. So how, how often do you listen to your intuition? Uh, I try to listen to it every day, but it is tough because there's other, um, 
instances where you really can't, or it's hard to do that. Um, but I think it's really important in any time that I follow my instincts and my intuition, I find that it, it's always the best. It was always the best decision for me. Th good things happen when you, when you follow your intuition. I, I still think that. I, I agree. I think when we start second guessing ourselves, that's where the problems lie. For sure. And especially with music. Uh, and I can relate it to even a performance. If you're up on stage and, you know, you got a guitar solo and you second guess a note, it's a hesitation and it, it'll resonate through the music. So you just got to go with the flow and kind of lose yourself in the moment. That's what I think most musicians strive for. They don't want to be up there on stage thinking about the next note. It's just about the feeling and living in the moment. One of the first performances I ever did as a bass player, I played the wrong note. It was still in the same arpeggio, but I played the <laughs> wrong note and nobody else knew it, but man, did I know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're just, you start taking apart your whole performance in your head because you missed the one note and it's like nobody else knew it. Yep. You it's ever tough. have those moments? <laughs> oh, of course, of course. But, you know, you just got to play it off. If you mess up on stage, the last thing you, you want to do is is let the audience know because most yeah. of the time they won't. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you just got to go with it. Go with the flow. A little bit about your girlfriend. So when you first saw her, you locked eyes with her and you just knew this person. You, you were up on stage and see, she saw you. I mean, I'm sure you see people all the time. How did you, you just knew? You know, I, I'm not kidding when I say it when she was sitting there. So it was at a bar actually right up the street from where I'm at, that I was playing at. And uh, she came in and I was in awe of her. I was just like, this is the most beautiful girl I've ever seen, you know, but I was just singing and not really trying not to make it obvious that, you know, <laughs> I was looking at her and uh, I saw she was looking at me and I was like, wait, is this really happening? And she came up to talk to me after uh, one of the songs I played. And uh, I just, I don't know. I just knew that I, I had to pursue that. So, when I was finished with my show, I asked her for some, you know, to come out for some drinks and uh, we just hit it off from, from day one. She had a stroke before your, or during your time on The Voice? Yeah, it was really wild because she had flown out for, to, to see my blind audition mm -hmm. um, and she had landed in LA and I talked to her that morning that I was supposed to audition um, and she just seemed something was different about it. I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I asked my sister who she was with and she's like, yeah, she's acting a little funny, but I don't really know what's going on. And she was unaware that she had, a, had a stroke. So she had a blood clot and I guess, you know, traveling and uh, on a plane, I guess can kind of, it, it doesn't help the okay. situation. I don't really know all the ins and outs. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah. So, so she got rushed to the, the ER um, and they had told me she had a stroke, she was in surgery. So that was just, you know, came out of left field. It was such a shock. I was supposed to audition for this show. Next thing I know, I'm going to the hospital and I'm, I had to tell the producers, you know, like I can't audition today. I got to go see my girl, you know? Um, and she came out of surgery and, um, basically looked at me and was like, you need to go audition, like go back. I'm fine. Like go audition. So, uh, I got there and they, uh, they let me go on stage the last day again, but luckily, uh, you know, I had a good performance. So that just adds more. It was a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> it was a roller coaster. Uh, and you know, it made it 
that much more meaningful when I got uh, on a team. I'm sure. I'm sure. What are your big plans now? Are you work you you are working on another route? You're working on an album, correct? Yeah, I'm I'm constantly working on new music. Um, but in the near future, I have this song uh, that I recorded a music video yesterday yesterday for coming out in September, um, and I have an album in the works. I'm also talking to some record labels that are considering signing me. It's such a difficult thing, you know. I've, I've talked to so many labels that are interested, but I don't want to be waiting on a deal. I'm, I'm just going to be creating music. So I, I think I'm going to release this album in the next coming months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm working with a booking agency right now to, to book a tour. Uh, and I'm hoping that this whole COVID thing, uh, I know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, touring will be a possibility very soon. I, I heard it because I know you're going back home to Austin that Austin is at like level five. Yeah, it's not good over there right now. Are nope. you scared about traveling back home then or are you just, it is what it I'm, is? I'm not nervous for myself. I'm just, um, I just really want everything to go back to the way it was. I know that it's easier said than done and, you know, COVID's a real thing. It's a threat and I know people that have lost their lives to it. Um, it's, it's a tough topic. Well, and we don't, we don't have to go there. I was just curious, you know, because you're, you are traveling and I know, you know, there's a musician that was talking about, he hadn't, he's been a musician for 40 plus years. And he's like, this is the first time in my life that I'm stuck and I can't go anywhere. So, I mean, that has to be, I'm sure you've done a lot of traveling around for your music. So that mm-hmm. has to be really hard to be suddenly locked down where you can't go anywhere. It was really tough. It is still is, but you know, COVID happened. Uh, the lockdown happened a few months after I was done with the voice and I was planning on going on this big tour and all of a sudden from like performing on the big stage to performing in your living room, yeah. you know, our live streams. Um, it was a huge change for me, you know, and uh, I'm still dying to get back on the big stage. I have a performance here in Worcester at the Hanover Theater. That was supposed to be my homecoming show. It's a 2,300 seater. It was sold out a year and a half ago. Wow. And I still haven't been able to, uh, to play it. So hopefully, you know, the date now is September 18th of this year. Um, and I'm hoping that it sticks, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. How many people were in the audience at the at the voice do you even i want to say it was like four or five hundred is that the biggest show you played um no i've I've opened for some artists and played at like the house of blues for probably a a thousand or so so what's it like for you we're not talking the voice for you as a performer what what does your day consist of if if you have a concert to do um, I enjoy sleeping in. <laughs> I love, you know, I really like to be rested and, uh, kind of keep to myself before a show, because in my opinion, I like to protect my energy and really, uh, go through how I want the show to go and, uh, kind of have a direction. Um, so, you know, I'll just relax, drink some tea, try to stay healthy and focused, you know? What happens, I mean, I know what it's like, but 
what happens when you, all right, so you're up on stage, you are vibing off the crowd and we're talking a bigger show. We're not talking, you know, we'll say the voice. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you have this whole energy of all this, the crowd and everything behind you. How do you walk away from that? I mean, the voice, you're just doing a song, but when you're doing your whole set, you know, afterwards, how amped are you? I mean, you can't just shut it off like that. So that's why we sleep in, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I live for. I love that energy that uh, yeah. there's nothing better. Uh, there's no better feeling in my mind than performing on stage and, and feeling the energy from the crowd and from your fans. Um, it's electrifying. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of try to keep that uh, in mind. So I, I try to like almost bottle that energy up and remember why I'm doing this. And that's really the reason, uh, the connection with the fans and, and that moment on stage, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a powerful energy to it. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. And, and during, during lockdown, yeah. Even if you do it here, it's still not the same. You're right. still not getting that full feedback. So star, your mm-hmm. girlfriend was the, the reason you wrote that. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Tell us, tell us about it. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny. So, uh, I had written all these songs. She always, you know, I, I play her every song I write and, uh, tell her my inspiration. And one day she was like, how come you haven't written me a song? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you know, you're right. So um, I had this idea, this guitar riff, and uh, I just kind of had that in mind. I was like, I'm going to write my girlfriend's song, you know, of what she means to me. And uh, started writing it and it came out really quick. And that's that's the best case as a writer when something comes and it clicks and you don't have to sit and think about, you know, the changes and the lyrics all that much. So I knew I had something good. I, I love that song. Um, and it's really about you know, some being enamored with somebody and, and basically putting them first and, and, uh, you know, going against all the, any feeling of, um, reservation or like anything holding you back. You're just all in, you know, it's about just giving love a chance and, uh, seeing where it goes. And what did she think? She loves that song. (laughs) She loves it. Yeah. Um, I actually had my barber down in Austin. He just uh, got married and he used that song for, for their first dance. Nice. Nice. Video. That was, that was nice. Um, nice. But yeah, she, that's her dedicated song. She loves it. Will the girlfriend be in the video? Yes. So I'm shooting that next week and uh, she, she doesn't like to be on camera, but I told her, you know, it has to be you. I'm not going to get a model to, I want it to be her. So it's, we're going to make it happen. Good, good. Yeah. It's, I mean, if it's dedicated to her, it's important that she's part of it. It, It's a natural progression of things. Mm -hmm. When do you think your album will be out? So it was anticipated late September, but at this point, probably uh, November. Yeah. Yeah. And are you going to go the Apple and Amazon route? Yes. I'm going to release it on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, you know. When you look back at, because you were in a high school band, is the music you're playing now much different than when you were in a band in high school? Oh, yeah. So my uh, my influences back then, you know, I had a lot of punk rock 
influence. I was playing a lot of Green Day, okay. Blink-182. Uh, and then I discovered Jimi Hendrix and blues. And that was basically my focus throughout high school and college. Um, so I released a couple of albums in college and I love the guitar work that I did. But as far as songwriting, it seemed like I was really focused on the technicalities of the music as opposed to writing a powerful song. And that's what I'm about now. I think it's you know, the songs that um, speak to me are, are the timeless songs, you know, songs by the Beatles, uh, Ray Charles, stuff like this. Um, so it's definitely progressed. And I love to keep that guitar work, but it's more about the entire song as a whole. So you've evolved as an artist. For sure. Yeah. What other I mean, you play guitar, you play piano, correct? Yes, because mm-hmm. I saw that on your performance. Um what other instruments do you play? I play a little bit of uh, drums and I definitely can play a bass line. Uh, I would say that I'm proficient, but I'm not very, it's not like the guitar, you know, I can't just pick up uh, the drums or the bass or even the piano and improvise like I can on the guitar, but uh, I can definitely do it for like studio recordings. I've recorded piano. Um, I would love to be a better drummer, to be honest with you, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Just I didn't practice enough growing up. <laughs> it happens. It happens. So are you bringing in other people to work on the album or are you doing it all by yourself? Yeah, no, no. I'm, I have a full band, five piece. So I have uh, a keyboard player, uh, a bass player, drummer, and a second uh, guitar player. Okay. So... Yeah. How many tracks are going to be on it? So that's kind of up in the air, but I believe we're at nine, nine tracks. There's one uh, feature track with a uh, country artist that we, we co-wrote the song together. Uh, I won't say who it is right now, but I'm really excited for, for this song to be released. Awesome. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in about five years? If COVID doesn't exist, <laughs> if COVID is no longer an issue, you know, I really want a Grammy. I okay. want, I want, uh, I still want more, you know, I, I want to be on tour. I want to be a household name. I would, that's the reality of it. I, uh, I still want more. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask you something and you can, you don't have to answer and I know you're in a serious relationship, but, you know, with the road, there, there are trappings of the road. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's the whole thing. You know, just being a musician and traveling and touring, it's, it's a whole nother stress for uh, a relationship. And it can be taxing for sure to not have that person right there every day. Um, and even with COVID, I've been traveling a lot. Like I'm here right now in Massachusetts and I've been here for uh, four or five days and it's just tough, you know, not seeing uh, your girlfriend, not being around all the time. But if you have a strong enough relationship and you communicate, uh, it shouldn't be a problem. But it definitely is, you know, just another factor that could, could go wrong. Well, in communication is key. I mean, no matter right. no matter if you're in the music business, if you have a long distance relationship, communication is key. For sure. You want a Grammy. 
Yeah. You won an American <laughs> Music Award, I'm sure, and everything else. And you see the trappings. So what do you think is going to push you to get to that level? So from my experience, I just got to stay grinding, you know, keep writing, keep releasing music. And um, hopefully I can sign a uh, some sort of record deal because it definitely helps to have uh, a company pushing you uh, and just getting you out there. So I'm working, uh, talking with Sony, talking with Warner, and I'm hoping that they will get behind me and support some of my projects. That's awesome. And I, I hope, I hope that you do find the support you need because it is, it's hard doing it by yourself. It is. I mean, because sure. you're, how many other people are you competing with? Yeah, millions. So it, it's tough too, because nowadays in the music industry, it's not just the music. There's so much that goes into it. There's social media. Uh, there's, you know, marketing, um, having the look and, I mean, you need, you need to be on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter every day. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's tough. Sometimes I get frustrated because I find myself not playing as much music because I'm focused on all these other, you know, social media things and, and just stuff behind the scenes. And, and you're, you're competing with an algorithm that may right. show your stuff or may not show your stuff. I, I haven't figured it out. <laughs> Well, and then you could take a class to say, hey, we'll teach you how to do the algorithm. And guess what? It's changed again. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So you're always going to, you're always trying to navigate that stuff. I mean, any, anything now is like that, whether it's books, music, whatever, it's all about navigating. How do your sisters handle you being on The Voice and The Girlfriend? How did everybody handle that? All your friends and everything? Um, at first, it was funny because everyone was treating me differently. Like it was like they, even my sisters were like starstruck for a couple of days when I got home. Uh, but they're all cool about it. Now they're uh, very supportive and they want nothing but the best for me. Um, actually my sister, Natalie, she's been helping me out with uh, booking and, and kind of stuff on the management side. Um, and, you know, allowing me to kind of focus more on the creativity as opposed to, you know, booking and, and, uh, and just selling my music, you know? Well, and it's good that if you have a family member that you can trust, not like Britney's dad. Um, <laughs> I know. That's a whole nother nightmare, uh, finding yeah. somebody that you trust yeah. to, to help you, you know? Johnny, um, Johnny Depp's sister has done a lot of his stuff like that too, when in, early in his career. So, you know, when you have that support system in place, that's good because yes, it frees you up to do the creative, creative stuff. And the creative stuff can take a lot of your time and it should take a lot of your time if that is your passion. The one thing, I mean, as a musician, that's your passion, is it not? Of course, yeah. And, and that feeds your soul and, and it gives you life. Being on The Voice, how much did it change your life? I drastically changed my life. It, uh, for the better, for sure. You know, I, I, uh, I have a whole new demographic of fans. You know, I went from having... I think 4,000 followers on Instagram to to 50,000. And uh, it just gave me a lot more confidence too. Because, you know, I was confident that I I was talented, but it's really nice to actually um, book a show and have a bunch of fans come out and support you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's changed my life a lot. And I get recognized, you know, in airports and when I'm in Nashville, 
So it's, it's a good feeling. So it was definitely better that you went on the voice. Yeah, I definitely would, would not uh, change that. I would definitely do that again if I had to go back. If you could give anybody advice about going on a show like that, what would you tell them? The best advice I think is to be yourself and don't let anybody kind of present you in a light that you don't want to be in because when the show's over, you still have to be that person that they, you know, your fans that you gained expect that person. Uh, A lot of people change for the show and for the producers. I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, Also another big thing is before you even go on the show, you got to have a presence on social media and music out there for people to, uh, to hear when they go see you, because um, a lot of the, the shows will have you sign a contract that you can't release music for a certain period of time after this or during the show and after the show. So you still want people to, uh, you know, hear your music. So you got to have an online presence. That, that definitely is some sound advice. I want to go back to the producer aspect of changing you. Did they kind of, I mean, I know on some reality shows, some of it's scripted and we're talking not necessarily a show like yours, but, or that they've edited things certain ways to make people seem certain ways. So for you, were they kind of directing you on how to dress, how your persona should be crafting this whole persona for you? Or did they? You know, I've seen them do that with other people, but I think that fortunately they liked who I was genuinely. And they kind of just, you know, talked to me about my life and I have a lot going on and I've had, you know, as you as you know, I've had a lot of tragedy and that was a focal point uh, on the show about who I am. And um, so they didn't change me, you know, my persona uh, and I'm happy with how they represented me. I think that's I because you are a strong person. I mean, you've gone through this and that's that goes back to all this tragedy. That's another thing it's done for you. It's made you a stronger person. So by having that strong, strong personality, they didn't have to mold you so much. You didn't you weren't necessarily going to be a yes person. Right. Exactly. I definitely saw that happen to some artists on, on the show that necessarily didn't have an interesting story. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they would kind of push them in a different direction. Uh, and you kind of hate to see that. No, because you have to, eventually you have to live your truth. And right. if you go in and, and you are truthful about who you are, then you can continue to be yourself in all of this. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else you'd like to tell anybody? before I hmm um yeah I guess just uh thank you for the support thanks for having me thanks guys for tuning in to the better two podcast your listenership is greatly appreciated if you like what you hear remember to hit subscribe we also have our videos on YouTube they usually post the same day as the podcast and you should check it out if you have a question or you would like to be a guest on the show please drop me an email and I'll be glad to talk to you about it. The email is Donna, D-A-U-N-A, at thebetter2podcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in and catch you next time.